Revenge, Season 1, Episode 4, Duplicity. Hi, and welcome to the Kowski Cast. I'm Mary. And I'm Laura. And today we're talking about Episode 4 in the first season of Revenge. How are you this evening, Laura? I'm doing well. It's Oscars night, so we're going to keep this episode nice and short for everyone. Uh, The Oscars are on. I've got my TV recording right now. I'm pre-gaming by watching Revenge (laughs) and uh, drinking some red wine. I don't know why I put this up to the camera. No one can see me, but I (laughs) just held up my glass. Just me. I can just see you. That's it. Yeah, uh, mostly uh, this is making it easier for us so that we can watch the Oscars. It yes, doesn't really yes. help you guys if you're listening to it after the Oscars are over, but... Oh, and this is the first episode that we're recording when we're not together. Just, right. You know. So, fun fact for everyone listening. Exciting. If it sounds a little different, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> I've got my uh, microphone, and Mary's got a different microphone, so I'm putting my new microphone to test. Yes. So, this episode really, while it was an interesting episode and had some different plot lines going on... Overall, I really don't think that there's a whole lot to talk about. There's a couple a couple key points. We've got the main two plot lines of Emily versus Michelle Banks, and then also Tyler having sort of his own deal going on with trying to make Daniel a bad boy again. Exactly. So, yeah, those are the two main topics we've got. Ugh, Tyler. Now I understand why you mentioned that you didn't like him in the in the first uh, last episode previously. Yeah, I'm just not a fan of him. I don't know. I, I think it's I think it's partially his look. He just comes across kind of being smarmy, and he's clearly a really good talker. We see several times in this episode that he's managed to convince Victoria that he's nice, and it just it just bothers me. I'm not a fan. Yeah. He's not even that cute. No. <laughs> I probably I already said this before. I don't think so either. <laughs> so the main plot line, though, really has to do with Michelle Banks, who's this socialite therapist for elite women in the Hamptons. And we find throughout the episode that she wasn't always in this position of work, that she actually used to be a child psychiatrist um, at the, I guess prison i'm not really sure where this was that emily was being held some sort of some sort of institute where she was i was gonna say they get they just kept saying they wanted amanda to be institutionalized right right so So it sounds like this was happening during the trial so while david clark is still on trial before he's even been completely convicted she um young amanda has been locked up somewhere and is being questioned by this lady and it kind of I kept wanting to use the word tortured but she's not really being tortured by her she's just being told over and over your father's a bad person we think you might be a bad person you're just going to lie to us she's being pretty harsh and that's the thing I think her job originally was a, like a pediatric uh some kind of pediatric therapist or whatever yeah, the proper term yeah. psychiatrist the proper term and i from what we saw in flashbacks it did not look like she was acting appropriately with a small um 
just a young person. I mean, she wasn't acting nice, kind. I was wondering because we saw some things. I'm not sure if they were in the correct order. The first flashback we see is Amanda wanting to see her father and Michelle Banks basically saying, no, you'll never see him again. He's a bad person. We, You'd just be pretending to be a good girl, etc. The next one we see... Oh, though, she... No, the, that's the first one she kept saying, pretending. Like, you are just pretending to be a good girl because you want to go see your dad. And he was pretending to be a... Just like your dad was pretending to be a good guy. Like, she, she's, she's not... Um, uh, Dr. Banks is questioning Amanda's... Uh, good behavior basically saying it's not genuine it's she's just being behaving to get you know to go see her father which I mean could be true too but like she could she's a very young girl so there's a good chance that she's just being well behaved because she's a well-behaved girl in general and I usually think in these kind of instances where someone is under trial of being potentially locked up for the rest of their life where they'll never get to see anyone again or you know have the death penalty usually I think they would get to be able to see their family members unless they're deemed too dangerous. And I'm not sure really at what at this point if there was enough evidence that David would be dangerous toward Amanda. Like, they were just living together. Clearly they were fine. He had no history of being an abusive father or anything. So I, I don't know. Well, but- since it's – since I didn't realize this at the time, but since you said this is during the trial, maybe they didn't know what was going to come out. They didn't maybe. know the whole story. They're like, we haven't done enough investigating to know if maybe he was an abusive father towards her, so we don't want her to be in his vicinity at all. But I also think there's other motives going there that they didn't want uh, Amanda to see her father for – very for a lot of other different reasons well too. and that's what i was going to say is i'm not sure how the timeline of this really works out just because we then see a clip of victoria a flashback where she's talking to michelle banks and she's saying if you keep uh, amanda away from her father and make sure that they never get to talk then i will give you this new job as a therapist for the hampton socialites and yeah basically like dr banks was having a a rough she had a rough night or she's having a rough time with her job having to put up with kids i don't know and and uh basically victoria was saying hey you know you deserve better or do you want a better job hey i can give you a better job right and but so what i was wondering is all the clips we saw of amanda and uh, dr banks were those after Victoria had already said this. So for all we know, Dr. Banks was fine with Amanda. They were nice. She was being a normal child psychiatrist until Victoria gave her that offer. And that's the clips we saw is after she's changed that. That's not what I'm not sure about. They don't give us enough... they don't give us enough information to be able to figure that out. I think let's just assume that from the the beginning... uh, Well, actually... Now that I think about it, Victoria said, I don't know, I think maybe the very, very, very beginning, Dr. Banks was just doing her job, and then she turned, maybe she always was kind of stern, and then she even became worse. I, I don't know. It's hard to tell. It's yeah, hard to it's tell, really hard but. hard to tell when you get these flashbacks. Either way, uh, Victoria was basically saying, hey, I can give you a better job where I can be your first patient, basically, bas- your first client, uh, and you can be my therapist. You won't have to be working at these institutions anymore. Well, I guess until you finish out with Amanda. But um, if you 
don't if you work with Amanda and base and, and never let her uh, see her see father, father again. Right. That was the and main thing. So throughout this episode, I think what's interesting is that the Amanda does take down Michelle Banks, but she takes her down in a very different way than she's done with the other people. She sort of ruins Michelle Banks' career by exposing that Michelle had been recording her therapist sessions. But she doesn't... It's not in the same way that she has with the past several people, where I feel like she sort of scares Michelle and and ruins her perfect name, but most of what she does is turning Victoria against Michelle and sort of causing... She's almost going after Victoria more by framing Victoria because we see throughout the episode the police are coming after Victoria. Victoria openly threatens Michelle Banks and then she calls her and leaves a voice message and then um, the storage unit that Michelle Banks was hidden in had been registered in her name. So Emily has clearly framed Victoria for kidnapping Michelle and I, I think that it's it's just a different takedown than she did with Lydia or with uh, <laughs> Bill Harmon or yeah or um, the Senator Kingsley. That's true. Though I feel like Victoria's kind of already been accused of doing other harm in the the in the previous episode with the with um, the pregnant lady the the guy that who was rerunning for. What not right, right, it, right. Uh, yeah, Senator Kingsley. She, Senator Kingsley. She, they were kind of questioning her. If she her was the one in her involvement yeah. in that. So it's continuing on. Like uh, Victoria, you are you're accused of doing some sketchy stuff. Right, and and that that was brought up a little bit throughout this episode of her mentioning. We saw in some of her meetings with Michelle Banks that she had mentioned that Conrad had been accusing her of certain things and. I I don't know. I, I feel like Victoria, though, does get a glimpse that some of this might have to do with Emily when she's questioning Ashley, and Ashley mentions that Emily was the one who found the DVD. Yeah, they do mention that. Like, I think that's uh, the biggest sign so far that Emily has been involved in some of this. Yeah, like, of course Emily was there when, when Ashley needed to... Uh, put the, the CD in and push play and stuff, and she was having trouble finding it, and Emily was there and found it. So maybe that was a little bit of a slip-up on Emily's part that she was there. How did you like the video that Emily had made with this Hampton, Hampton Exposed website, how she slipped her own session in there? Yeah, no, that I mean that it was brilliant for her doing that. They even mention it later. Like, oh, Ash, uh, Ashley says that... Well, it wasn't Emily. I mean, she was a victim herself. <laughs> and then and Nolan even says, that was genius. You put a clip of yourself in there, too. Uh, so, I mean, I knew right away that she did that on purpose. It was very coincidental. Uh, and... Well, and we find out later that some of what she talked about was her... So her issues being intimate with Daniel and also uh, her secret feelings towards Jack that she might be discovering yeah. well, but some I think it, emotion I mean, there. I know it could be about Jack, but also she's pretty new in her relationship with Daniel as well. Like, I feel like she said just enough that I was like, ooh, this is some really personal stuff that Emily's saying. But at the same time, it was also very vague that it wasn't too harmful for Emily. It was just enough. It was just perfect enough. And I was going to say, too, at the very, very beginning, 
the op- one of the opening scenes is when she's talking to Dr. Banks and she looks up at the camera. And at first, I thought that she had planted that camera there and she was kind of uh, planting that camera so that she could see Dr. Banks' other uh, sessions, which I guess she did too. But yeah, then, add a bonus. <laughs> at, and add a bonus, but you, you find out that Dr. Banks actually put that camera there and that's so that she can, I guess, study up, rewatch those uh, recordings of her ses- sessions to help herself um, be able to treat or I don't know, treat her clients better. But I really thought that they were first hinting that Emily had put that camera there, that it was spying on, spying on Dr. Banks. But it was interesting. Right, I think how... she just was aware the camera was there and must have hacked into it in some way. Yeah, that's true. Huh. So. Smart of her. Also, I like the long con on this one. It sounds like Emily had been going to Dr. Banks for a year <laughs> yep. just for yes. this setup. <laughs> exactly. I mean, she hasn't. Since this show started, it hasn't been a year, right? No, I mean, it's this show has only taken place during at least maybe a month or so of the yeah. summer. It's, so, it's just one summer, so. So that kind of answers. A month. I know we've always been asking, like, how long has she been planning this? Like, actually planning this? I mean, for over a year now because yeah, she's been doing this that. Yeah, this one takedown, just at least a year. But um, I, I think what's interesting about this is we see how much planning she's put into this and the two factors that really don't fit into her planning so far have been Tyler. She didn't predict him cropping up. And you can sort of see that in her interactions with him. You know, when you when you see Tom Kingsley come or Bill Harmon, you know that Emily was expecting them to be there. And she has all of her thoughts planned out of what she's going to say to them and everything's very calculated. Every time she talks to Tyler, she almost has this air of, oh, I'm annoyed you're here. You're messing up my plans. Like, I didn't factor you in. And... And then the other person that she didn't factor in is Jack, of course, in a very different way. He's not really messing up her plans. He doesn't have a different agenda, but he's just sidetracking her from what she wants to be doing. Well, definitely, but I feel like she had to have known that Jack was still there. Maybe. I don't know. I That's one thing is if she's so concentrated on the Hamptons, is she really going to pay attention to someone who may or may not still live in Montauk? You know, I'm not sure how much... I feel like she liked Jack as a kid, and then she came back and saw Jack as a man and was like, oh, shoot, I completely forgot about you. But yeah, you're still here. Yep, that's true. Huh. What, this whole episode was very, what did I say, like, paternal? Or it was about families. I mean, it it was, what was going on was the uh, mother-daughter tea for United for Peace of Mind. And uh, Dr. Banks was going to speak at that tea. Which, why was she going to speak at that tea in the first place? Well, so the Mothers and Daughters United for Peace of Mind had to do with mental health awareness. Oh, okay. And so as a therapist, I think that's why she was there. And it seemed like a lot of the women there, if not all of them, uh, attend sessions with Dr. Banks anyway. So. I see. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. So. You know, Emily, by Emily taking down Dr. Banks, it's ruining all her business because all of her, like, actual money, you know, that kind of business uh, because none of those other ladies are going to ever trust Dr. Banks again because she's been recording their their sessions and they think that she's been recording to spill all this stuff, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, I think the one thing that's not as harsh about this one is it would be pretty easy for Dr. Banks to prove that she didn't make the website, that she didn't release that, that someone broke in, and really her only crime was recording it. You're right, which is probably, I don't know if that would be like something that's illegal, but I'm sure that she tells 
her patients that she's not recording them. So, oh yeah, that that's very confidential. Right. So that's, that's really sure. that main plot line there, and it all sort of gets wrapped up in the end with. Um, I think we're led to believe that Emily is the one who gave the tip because she wasn't really planning on, you know, killing Michelle Banks or keeping her locked up forever. She just wanted to scare her. So Emily somehow either hired somebody or she uh, kidnapped, rants, uh, kidnapped, Yeah, she ransacked her office. Ransacked the office. And then, uh, then, yes, somehow kidnapped... Again, I, I assume that she did somehow. We don't really know how she did that, how she kidnapped a, And without know, Dr. Banks woman. having... Yeah, and, and without Dr. Banks knowing at all who did it, I, that seems kind of far-fetched. Because they also make it seem like it was Frank who did it at one point. I, it seemed right. kind of sketchy, like Frank was going to figure out. he was. So the police came to the Grayson's house because Victoria, when that video was exposed, she verbally was like, I'm going to destroy you, Dr. Banks. Uh, and so the police were kind of after her saying, hey, her office was just, uh, uh, just someone went through her office and they're kind of putting, pointing fingers at Victoria because Victoria just publicly uh, threatened, threatened her. Dr. Banks. And then Frank said, let me have a word with the police. And Frank kind of goes over to the police and said, you know, I can assure you, like, I've been with her the whole time if you know what I mean. Like, yeah. he's kind of hinting. I don't know. That's kind of dirty. I mean, it I know it, it helps. Maybe maybe Victoria would respect that because like, it's like, yeah, whatever, Frank. Just do whatever you have to do to clear, clear my name. But at the same time, it's like, dang. Frank's kind of uh, started some own, started some rumors. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think the police officers are going to be spreading the hot goss, you know. I don't think that's hmm. really their scene. So That's that, true. yeah, and, and you see that Victoria also asks Frank to stay with her that night and sort of protect oh, yeah. her. So I think there's a because I don't know if I can say romance, but a budding trust and respect there. Well, shoot, because Conrad right now he left to do I guess. Oh, Victoria's like, well, Conrad said I'm gonna leave for a little bit, and Victoria's like, for business or pleasure? <laughs> She's just like what up and yeah. uh, of course you see he goes and sure he might have been gone for some business but he ends up at a uh, miss davis's house <laughs> and uh which i'm pretty sure is just in new york city i think he said he was going to san francisco but i'm pretty sure miss davis is just in new york city yeah she's just i believe yeah that she's just in new york city as well and maybe she was showing him is this supposed to be her new place that she got with the money he gave her yeah i think i think she had asked him to write her a big check i think we're led to believe it was probably several million dollars and she managed to buy a loft it looks like in new york city it's like a pretty nice pad and he's there and they definitely have some intimate moments one of the things i can never understand about her is we you know they go to her house there and we see her walking around she's always wearing like freaking ball gowns i'm like why are you why are you wearing these like really nice dresses just in your house what are you doing all day i don't know, I know right when i come home i put my sweats on <laughs> yeah <laughs> Let me tell so you. there definitely was a familial aspect to this familial yeah <laughs> yeah not i was like, I mean, was like just guys fatherly, but so <laughs> it's like the complete opposite <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's about paternal, see, you though, know, mothers and daughters. Yeah, but we do see a lot here the relationship between Charlotte and her mom. Just, yes. you know, real quick, Charlotte at the beginning of the episode, we can tell, is closer to her father than her mother. In front of her mother, he's, she basically says, hurry home, I don't like it when it's just me and my mom alone. <laughs> you know, and, and then throughout the episode, we've got this mother and daughter tea where Victoria is trying to put off, you know, put off this image that her and Charlotte are this 
really happy family, they, that they're really close and everything. And of course, the excerpt that gets released of Victoria's therapy session is that she is does not feel close to Charlotte and is not so sure if she should have had a second child, which obviously is not something that Charlotte ever wants to hear. You never, you never want to hear that your parents ever question or regret having you. I'm just kind of curious why Emily decided to expose that clip of Victoria. I mean, it fit perfectly with the mother-daughter tea, but at the same time, is Emily trying to destroy Charlotte and Victoria's relationship? I mean, I, I'm just curious why she chose that it, clip. It is interesting because I think that Emily has footage of probably much worse confessions that Victoria made. Much they even more... showed they even showed it later about, uh, I mean, more more Victoria's love life. With like, or like right. Conrad and, 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 and everything. And by the way that Victoria was so nervous and really wanted Frank to solve these problems is because she was so scared that Michelle would leak things relating to the trial. And I think that I'm sure that there is some stuff in there that alludes to her involvement in the framing of David That's Clark. true. I mean, but well, I was going to say there's got to be footage for so long, but I don't know how long. Dr. Banks actually started recording. Yeah, we don't know, but I, I think probably the reason that Emily does not expose that is because she's not ready to drop the death blow yet. She's just trying she's to... She's got to build it up more. Yeah, wreak havoc in Victoria's life, ruin her family life. I mean, I don't think she really has anything against Charlotte, but it was Victoria who said that. Emily didn't create what Victoria said. She just released it. She, it was just taken out of context, is <laughs> what Victoria yeah, sure. said. Sure. Oh, well, and, but we, yeah. we get some really sweet moments throughout this episode of Charlotte and Declan talking about their parents and especially their mothers. We get a little bit, finally, a little bit of an answer of where Declan and Jack's mother is. It sounds like she left when Declan was two. So not sure how old Jack would have been there. Probably at least 10, maybe. It's hard to tell how much older Jack is than Declan. But if Declan's in high school and Jack is probably post-college age... You know, yeah, several could years. Be could be eight six, ish. seven, eight years. Yeah. yeah. So we get some really great stuff there about Declan telling Charlotte, go home, make up with your mom. You'll be fine. At least you still have a mother. And there's some stuff about Declan not wanting to sell his mom's wedding ring and things like that. <laughs> a cheap, fake wedding ring. Yeah. But <laughs> I thought it was really cute, though. I liked that whole scene with uh, Declan and Charlotte on the swings. And that was one scene that I just completely forgotten ever existed. Like, it seems so out of context from the rest of the episode. That's true. Well, I was going to say the the one where uh, Declan runs into Charlotte when she's outside getting ready to go. Either it's, it's either before or after. No, she's waiting for her mom. So it's before they go to try on dresses. And they, you know, he drops the ring and then he's picking the ring up. He's, like, on oh, his yeah. knees with, like, a wedding ring. They, they stage that perfectly. So Victoria comes up and it's like, Charlotte or Declan. Yeah. I, I love I love how polite Declan is, though, to Victoria. You know, he's just like, oh, hey, you know, like, nice to meet you. Shakes her hand and everything. I feel like that's something that I like about Declan is he's not the typical clueless, I don't understand, you know, class differences kind of things. Like, he's still going to shake her hand and he's still going to say hello oh. and everything. He's a smart boy because if he ever wants a chance with Charlotte, even if you hate the parents, you got to put on a good front. So exactly. Try to win exactly. them over, with, kill them with kindness. So, so I mean, that was pretty much the Dodger Banks. Uh, we assume that, what, her business is going to 
well, you know, the way they end it, it's like she's been kidnapped. So then you kind of feel bad for her. So it's like, is she really going to lose business? Well, probably because she was recording them. But she kinda... I think she definitely has lost the clients that she had. Whether or not she couldn't ever get other ones, she probably could. But I don't, I don't think she's getting Not in the Hamptons. <laughs> yeah. Not in the Hamptons. But the yeah. next main or another kind of like the subplot was with Tyler and Daniel. do not like tyler because Uh, there's just nothing worse than someone who it's like okay daniel had not necessarily a drinking problem but he had a partying problem the previous summer and you know we know that he had a dui and really caused a serious injury to a woman and you you have this great arc of him trying to be better he's drinking water he's not going out and just Tyler is just constantly pressuring him and pressuring him and pressuring him. And then finally sort of uses getting him mad at Emily to be able to get him to drink. It's just a weird... And I, I just wonder why Tyler... What is Tyler's motive? Because we find out later that apparently Tyler was actually sober or maybe came across as sober to actually... I think he, I think he was sober. Yeah, I think so... I think it's clearly he's... It's weird because you can't even say it's a it's a bro trying to get another bro, you it's know, not. away from a girlfriend because he's like he's not helping Daniel. He's and he's not a I don't know what his angle is. Well, I think he wants to appear like he's helping him. Well, I was going to say it's not it's not a bro that let's go out and have a good time and get drunk together and like he's not he's not doing this so that like Daniel can come out and drink with him. It goes way beyond that because he was sober the whole time, so he's, yeah, he's it's not like it. yeah, he's faking it. So it's not like he wanted. He's like, oh come on, dude, like let's go out and uh, let's drink together. Like it's not like he's mad at Daniel because Daniel's not drinking and he wants a no. drinking buddy. Because it's he almost like drinking. he wants to come across to Daniel's parents like he's better than Daniel. Yep, like, like he's, he's the hero. Like right, because he's trying to care of them. And and you know one thing that I think came across really big is he took Daniel to Jack's bar and you hear when Daniel sort of stumbles in because they're already kind of drunk at that point Daniel says where are we why are we here clearly Tyler knows why they're there like Tyler has planned this and I think he was hoping that Daniel might get in a fight with Jack or something exactly and so I guess to rewind if you want to go back to it, it they start out at the tennis courts and Tyler is trying to get Daniel to come out and then quickly Emily like catches on it's like oh no we have plans to go have dinner tonight and she's doing that so that Daniel doesn't get tempted to go out to drink but then also it gives time for Ashley and Tyler to kind of spend some alone time uh which I don't know if Tyler was 100% thrilled with that but because I find because later he's talking about how he was with other girls that night as well Tyler's just all over the place but anyway so like after the tennis match I guess the boys are showering and Emily comes over to, I guess, solidify plans with Daniel for dinner. Uh, but he's taking a shower. Or wait, no, to cancel plans? Wait, she wait, wait, was, she wait. was coming over to solidify plans. She leaves and Tyler tells Daniel that she canceled him. He lies. Oh, that's right. That's right. And, and so uh, Emily feels like she gets stood up by him. That's right. She ta- She goes into the pool house and she first talks to Tyler. No, and Tyler tells her that they're... I can't remember. Did Tyler tell her? I guess it doesn't really matter. Um, Tyler tells her that Daniel's busy, and then Tyler tells Daniel that Emily's canceling. Uh, Tyler's just getting into the middle of it. And well, and then the worst one is Tyler then steals Daniel's phone. Exactly. That crosses like, the line. It's just so unrealistic because... And at one point when when uh, Daniel's like, hey, dude, have you seen my phone? 
And Tyler's like, I've seen many things, but I have not seen your phone. Like, I'm surprised Daniel's not like, hey, can you can you call my phone real quick? Can you take out my phone? Like, that would be the first thing. What, what do you do? What do you do when you when you lose your phone? Or what do your friends do? They're like, hey, can you call my phone? So if Daniel had told Tyler to call the phone, Tyler called the phone, it would ring right into Tyler's bag, his sports bag, which is where he hid the phone. So, ugh. And it's it's lost it's this whole this whole yeah time. like I, which I think takes place over like two days. Daniel just doesn't have his phone for those two days. And it's a little unrealistic. It's not like he can't just afford a new phone. Like <laughs> I'm just surprised he's not like, hey, let me just go buy another phone uh, for the time being. But so Emily has this whole dinner set up, and then she can't reach Daniel. Daniel doesn't come, but then she has a knock on the door, and it's Jack. <laughs> and Jack which is a little flowers. bit of a coincidence. I mean, I think. Daniel and Emily would have been mad enough at each other already, but this is sort of the lucky bonus Tyler gets is that Jack is also hanging around. But has Emily done enough flirting or make it enough of a of an impression with Jack for Jack to I don't know at all seem like Emily's interested in him? I or? think I think Jack his whole thing was showing up there because we see earlier in the episode that he's hanging out with Nolan and Nolan is really trying to play matchmaker here. Nolan is really trying to get Jack with Emily because he knows who they both really are. And as far right now, I think Jack is just sort of attracted to Emily and also gets a weird feeling, you know, like they know each other, but doesn't know why. And so I think that that's really what that was, but they share a cute dinner and I'm okay with it. (laughs) Yeah, it's cute, but then Daniel does show up and sees that they're together, so, of course. I mean, they had to keep this love triangle going, but... Right, I mean, you feel a little bad for Daniel in all of this, but not so bad, just because if... I, I feel like if him and Emily are dating, even if he can't find his phone, go talk to her earlier, you know, after... In between the time when she... When he hears that she is canceled, he should have just gone and talked to her himself. And not just relied on Tyler. Yes. That, I mean, it's one thing to eventually talk to the girl, confront Emily, and she's like, oh yeah, I'm not feeling it. And then to be like, ah, dude, let's go get drunk. But to make all these assumptions and then go out drinking and then flirt with girls at Jack's bar, like all this stuff, Daniel must have just been really, uh, or Tyler must have just really convinced Daniel or or whatever. Because I feel like if you're in a relationship or at least forming it, like you said, you need to talk and make sure you guys are all on the same page and you're not just jumping to conclusions when, you know, that could yeah, not be what's going on, which is, it's not going on. Um, Emily is just hanging out. She felt bad, so that's why she was like, oh yeah, sure, Jack, come in. and Yeah, and, and Jack, boy, he really does just go for it because during this conversation, you know, she's talking about, oh, you, you're gonna go to Haiti and sail boat away and he basically says I'm just sort of looking for a reason to stay you know I think that he's kind of really openly hinting there hey if we were a thing I'd stay so if you're into (laughs) it let me know and of course you know they didn't show this episode but you know that Daniel and Emily are gonna make amends because the first episode is their engagement party right so you know that like they're going through some rough patches but i just want to see them get back together oh my gosh <laughs> you alone are into them that's fine you can be into them in real life ah there's something about daniel yeah uh. 
Well, hopefully we'll figure out more in coming episodes of how they piece things back together and how this love triangle keeps on rolling on. And I feel like Victoria needs to be smart enough to know that Tyler's not the one that's... I mean, sorry. Victoria needs to be smart enough to know, to catch on, that Daniel is has improved his behavior and that Tyler's, and that Tyler's the, the problem. Yeah, yeah, like, she is... Victoria is a smart lady and she can figure things out. Like, ah, I want her to catch on. And maybe she is. Maybe she's just like, hmm, Tyler might not be the best person for Daniel to hang out with. Even though Tyler's saying to her, like, oh, yeah, you know. Oh, you know how Daniel is. And Daniel comes in and what Victoria's like, what does she say? I wrote the line down. Something like, what's, uh, oh, Daniel, what happened? Captain Jack happened. Oh, no, I just thought that was funny. Okay. I'm all... assuming I'm assuming Jack Daniels or something. I don't. Or well, I was Captain thinking Jack then. Well, I was thinking it could be a couple of things. Like I was thinking, oh yeah, like Captain. Well, it's Captain Morgan and it's Jack Daniels, but it's oh, also wow. but it's also um Jack's restaurant. Oh, Captain true. Jack happened. There's know. there's all these things. It was. A... I guess there that does yeah man interesting. I drank some Captain Morgan and some Jack Daniels and also I was at Jack's place. Uh Captain Jack. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And just in the spirit of what we've been doing, I'm going to read the final quote that we have in the voiceover at the end of this episode, where which kind of ties in the whole stuff about the, you know, therapy and what's going on in your own head and problems that Emily was having with relationships. So at the end of the episode, right, so Emily says, the greatest weapon anyone can use against us is our own mind by preying upon the doubts and uncertainties that already lurk there. Are we true to ourselves or do we live to the expectations of others? And if we are open and honest, can we ever truly be loved? Can we find the courage to release our deepest secrets? Or in the end, are we all unknowable even to ourselves? And what's great about this, my favorite thing about this quote, is that during this quote and a few times throughout the episode before that, this really great song is playing. And I keep forgetting to talk about this, but the soundtrack in this show is amazing. And in the last two episodes, this episode and the one before it, have been these two songs by Agnes Obel. Uh, the one in the last episode, episode three, is called Avenue, and the one in this episode is called Riverside. And they play it about three or four times throughout the episode, and it's sort of this haunting but sultry-sounding song, and really, you should look it up, Riverside by Agnes Obel. Look it up if you liked it, because... That, along with a lot of the other music, and especially season one, is just really, really great. It's kind of one of those things you don't notice it unless you're specifically looking for it, but if you took it out, it would be sorely missed. And it just totally reminds me of Revenge. Like, if I've... Oh, yeah. I don't know if I've ever heard it outside of the the show, but it's it's very recognizable in the show, and it's just my revenge uh, theme song, but not really... But what I was going to say is um, they do this flashback, and it's little um, Amanda, and she's – it's always at night. It's always some storm going on. She's always hiding. Like, I, don't, I don't know why. <laughs> but uh, Victoria comes in, and she's with Frank. You can kind of see that, like, Frank's outside. And she goes, and she gets uh, David's computer, and she goes, and she, like, gives it to Frank, and then David – comes out and sees Victoria they're like oh my gosh you're there and Victoria like runs up to him and like oh yes of course like 
I, I left Conrad or I told Conrad about us or something like that. And Daniel's like all swept away and they like kiss and they go run upstairs, uh, you know, together in, in David's room. But that makes me think like if Victoria really loved him or I guess it may be questions me, does Victoria really love him? Because why would she, if she loved him, then why would she get David's, steal David's computer, give it to Frank, and you know, you know that they're going to use that computer to do some kind of blackmail. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I think what happened there was Victoria did love David. Conrad found out about it and told Victoria, hey, by the way, I laundered money to this company that caused that plane crash. We're in really big trouble. Sorry, we've got to frame someone, and I've decided we're framing David. Why? And, why, David? Uh, well, I mean, probably partially because of the he affair. didn't want Victoria to be with him. Yeah, and so then he says, you need to keep pretending that you're in love with him, and meanwhile, we need to gather the evidence to frame him. So she was there stealing the laptop. She got caught by David coming downstairs, and so she quickly said, oh, uh, I've told Conrad I'm leaving him, so... Now we can be together, yay. Ah, uh, that must be really hard on Victoria if she really did love him to then have to frame him, frame her lover, her true lover. Uh, yeah. It just seems so kind I think of that like... Is, I think that is why, you know, therapy's probably good for her. She's got a lot going on in her head. <laughs> yeah, she, she does, she does. Ah, uh, that whole thing. And then, and also it shows like Amanda looking at Victoria, Victoria looking at Amanda. Like they acknowledge Recon- that. Yeah, they acknowledge that they're both there. There. And I don't think Victoria, yep. I, I think that's some of why Victoria really wanted to make sure that Amanda never saw David again, is that she knows Amanda knows something. Yep. Definitely. But why hasn't she kept tabs on what Amanda is doing? I mean, like. I don't know. I guess she tried. I guess she just hoped that she was young enough that it didn't really matter. and She wouldn't be going to get revenge. <laughs> yeah. Victoria. Yeah. But that just. That's kind of naive. Anyway. So. Yeah, anyway, just wanted to throw that one, talk about that one. Yeah, but all in all, pretty good episode, and uh, feel free to send us comments and questions on our website or on our Twitter at KowskiCast, that's cow with the K. You can also watch our episodes on our YouTube channel, which is also KowskiCast. If you'd like to refresh your memory on some of the images from the show, we've got our podcast with some images in the background. Yes, and we we did get a comment, or... Yeah, it was a comment on our website that we saw, and it was from our aunt, Linda, and she uh, freshened, refreshed our memory. <laughs> I don't know. but uh, Refreshed anyway. our memory? Re- refreshed her? Wait, does that even make sense? <laughs> well, you said refreshed, which is not a word, but yeah, no, she refreshed our memory. No, I refreshed our memory. She made the point that she was the one that introduced us to the show, and I believe she was correct uh, I think we were talking about shows. Usually when we meet up Thanksgiving or Christmas, I feel like we do talk about, hey, what movies have you seen? What shows have you yeah, seen? You have you seen, are you watching Survivor? Are you watching The Bachelor? And I feel like she mentioned, hey, I started watching this great show, Revenge, and she hooked us onto it. And um, I started watching it, and then I... I and think, then you. And I, th- I, think, I think she told us, and I was the one that really listened to her and watched it and then I was like oh my gosh guys after this first episode we all need to watch it um talking to the family so yeah I wanted to say the first episode we filmed or we recorded we didn't quite remember or we we didn't remember how we start first got into revenge and it was because of our great aunt Linda 
and she's not well, our great our, our aunt linda yeah i meant our just wonderful like aunt linda. <laughs> <laughs> she is not gonna like if we call her great aunt she's not she's very youthful yes beautiful anyway. uh, i wish i i hope to look like her when i'm her age okay <laughs> Uh, I was just talking about it. Like, if I went blonde, how would I look? I I don't know. I think you would look bad. We're too pale. To, we're too pale to be blonde. We can't do it's that. It's like when Kim though. Kardashian, she when she was blonde, I mean, she could pull off anything except for the blonde eyebrows. That's, no, she no, went no, too no. far. That's always a big mistake. Unless you're born <laughs> with naturally blonde eyebrows, that's one thing. But if you have naturally brunette hair and you dye your hair blonde. If you try to dye your eyebrows blonde, it just does not work no. most of the time. It's not good. I actually do like the look of a blonde girl. And with the darker eyebrows. With darker eyebrows, yeah. But the thing is, if yeah. I if I dye my hair blonde, my eyebrows would probably look just as blonde because... Well, we're, our, we both have really light <laughs> eyebrows to begin with. I know. It'd be like, Laura, did you dye your eyebrows? I'm like, no, no, they're just this, they're always this way. Ah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> okay. okay, anyway. So, yes, um... Rate us, review us, write some questions and comments because we will talk about them. Yeah, you can you can definitely give us uh, five star ratings and reviews on iTunes if you're interested in doing that. Um, but that's really all for this week's episode. Thank you for joining us, and we'll be back next Monday for our rewatch of episode five. Uh, for now, we're the Kowski sisters. Peace out. <laughs> <laughs>